I slit the sheet. The sheet I slit. Upon the slitted sheet I sit. Hello, and welcome to If It's Gay We Play, the Whoa. podcast where we do vocal warm-ups for you live. Yep, the whole time. That's the whole podcast. That's, that's it's just the whole a thing. vocal warm-ups podcast. <laughs> yeah. started to go really in another direction and just do vocal warm-ups the yeah. whole time. It's to help you practice for all of your vocal warm-up needs. Yep. Mm-hmm. What were you mouthing at me before we started I was talking? mouthing at you peas and carrots and watermelon because I was pretending that we were oh, having we were conversation. Oh, we were having a conversation. Yeah. I've, I've never heard peas and carrots. I've only heard watermelon. Oh, just well. just say watermelon over I've, and over I've again. definitely heard all of the vegetables before. Oh. <laughs> In your life? Yeah. You've heard them all named? I'm sure there's you vegetables know, I haven't heard I definitely named. think that there are vegetables that I have not heard before. I'm sure there are many vegetables that I'd look at it and I'd say, what the fuck is that? Yeah. I'm Or, yep. <laughs> yep. Or I'd just say, yep, that's a vegetable. That's a, for sure. I guess. That's a, well, you told me it was a vegetable, and I believe you. Welcome to our podcast. It's a vegetable review podcast <laughs> where we review vegetables that we don't know the names of. Yesterday, um, our one of my coworkers at work was like, "Do you need any food?" Because they were like ordering food, and I was like, "No, I already ate." And he was like, "Yeah, right. What do vegans even eat?" And I was like, "A single." I mean, he was joking. Like it was all ingested. Sure. Uh, I was like, um, you know, I had a, some soy and a single almond. That that does sound like vegan culture. How yeah. has it not come up on the podcast before that we're vegan? We I did mention it. Oh, I'm one. sure we fucking did because we're vegans. Yeah. Classic. Um, yeah. I'm Kai. I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she, her, hers. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. Um, and I guess we don't have any call-outs, call-outs this week. Yeah, I don't. Not that we, I can think we've of. We've never made a mistake after yeah, our first I mistake. I've never done anything wrong ever in my life. I know this, and I love you. <laughs> Money, please. <laughs> That's just a blatant theft from That's Parks and Recreation. That's some good reference-based humor. Oh, yes, that good random humor. Um, so I guess let's just jump right into it. What are we playing right now, Hannah? Um, I finished Mass Effect 2 this week. Oh, my goodness. Um, as you know, because you were as emotionally invested in this playthrough as I was. Yes. I saved everybody in the final mission, which I did not do the first time I played the game. The first time I played the game, the very first time I did the final mission, which also, can we talk about how that's like the most fun final yes. mission in any video game? I kept saying last night, like, Mass Effect 2 is such a good video it's game. It's a very good game, because it's a game, and we can talk about this sort of more from like a, a game review perspective. <laughs> uh, sure. But like, it's a game, like, so rarely do you play games where... Not just that all your choices have consequences, because there's a lot of, like, choice-based games. Oh, sure. Based on, like, like all yeah, like Telltale, Telltale. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, all your dialogue choices matter and that kind of thing, but, like, where yeah. your play choices matter, like, in the sense that it's not just that people are scripted to die, like, whether or not yeah. people die in that game is directly influenced by your playing of the game, which I feel like very rarely happens, like... You, it's not just that like Morden's gonna die and there's nothing you can do about it. It's like if you put the this person in the wrong position in this le- this mission, they will die because you fucked up directly. Well, yeah, because you have to know what each character's strengths are, right? And then play off of those strengths yeah. for the final mission. You which, have to like pay attention. Yeah, which re- yeah, which relies on you paying attention and knowing your crew, which uh-huh. is a very good simulation of like leadership in real life. Which uh, is yeah, I assume <laughs> you you wouldn't know. Which is playing to other people's strengths. Um, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, like. Um, yeah, it requires, like, you could play the whole game and, like, never really talk to your crew. and Which like, would be a mistake, because that's the point of all Bioware games. Right. 
Well, and like everyone would die, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Or like directly, like if you don't upgrade your ship, mm-hmm. like it punishes you for not taking advantage of things. Yeah, and these are spoilers, but this game did come out in 2010. Yeah, it's almost 10 years old. It's almost 10 years old. Um, so it's not, again, not really spoilers yeah. anymore. It's like play it's Mass like Effect or don't, yeah. um, which you should, but... Yes. Um, uh, yeah, that like if you don't upgrade the Normandy fully, like in that mission, people die, and that doesn't usually happen in games. It's no. like... Upgrades make the game easier to play, but there's aren't consequences necessarily for yeah, no not tangible like shifts upgrading in the them. story. Right. And I can totally see somebody like there are no like tangible um like up until that final mission, there are no tangible benefits to upgrading the Normandy. It's true, so you might not Yeah, so to I do can that. see somebody like not doing that because it doesn't like directly help you in combat yeah, or like anything like that. Um, but also fully upgrading your crew and fully upgrading your Yeah, the loyalty missions. Uh, but not even that, like like building their upgrades oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Like all like leveling them up and their skill you. set and their yeah. trees or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that directly influences the next game. It's just a very good video game. Yeah, I love that the resources and the upgrades and all of uh, most of the stuff, unless they retcon it, transfers over into three. One of my favorite things about the Mass Effect series is that all of the stuff that you're doing as Commander Shepard builds on itself mm-hmm. until this um, hot take, really cool ending that happens <laughs> in Mass Effect yeah. Three. Unpopular um, video game opinion, which we I should like actually talk about uh, in a later in a later yeah. iteration. But today. Um, Oh, actually, you know, I'll finish doing what I'm playing right yeah, now before I get playing into this. What we're I want to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just I saved everybody. I was very excited about that because I the first I'm very time, proud. I, the very first time I did that mission, I fucked up really bad and like half my crew died. So I redid it, but then Thane died because I fucked up. I was so invested in Hannah's playthrough and Hannah making sure that she saved all the people. I 100% did annoy her last night by not not helping her correctly with the mission. Well, I asked you a question and, and you I kept did not answer it. I answered several other one. questions that I didn't ask you. I know. I was being a dick. I just wanted to make sure that your boys lived. I know. And they did. And, and I they fine. did. Yeah. And I also and didn't listen fine. to you and my boys still lived. Correct. So everything yes. was fine. I mean, everything was fine no matter what happened. Anyway, it's yeah. a very good game. Yeah. Mass Effect 3. Uh, we also, were you going to talk about... I was, yes, I was. Okay. Um, we also purchased a Nintendo Switch this week we because Switch. we are real video game journalists. journalists. Um, and we were playing this game called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. It was very fun. Which is this really fun, uh, like one to four player cooperative space shooter where you have this little spaceship and you have to, um balance like doing all of these different actions like making the shield work or like flying the spaceship and somebody else shoots and somebody else uses the shield it's it's really cute and it's it's really cool and it's made by these people called asteroid base Mm -hmm. um and it's just it yeah it's just a very fun little game and i'm excited to keep playing it and i'm excited that we have a switch because there's so many new stuff things that we can do with that now with the switch yeah and then uh i'm just very excited about kind of the way the way that uh the switch controller feels yeah it's pretty cool it's really weird but it's also very uh tactile and pleasing uh, yeah i'm just very excited about like front i know this is like we're a little late to the party but we like are very late to the party but like i don't know i don't ever hear anybody talk about just how like cool the switch is like it's so it feels good and it's like no matter how I knew that that's how the switch worked, like taking it out of the thing, yeah. putting it in the thing. Hannah was so the, I delighted. Was delighted. And the fact that the whole console was basically that little screen. That's like, just so tight. That's bananas. so small. Like based on how do they fit the whole games in there? How do they fit so many games in that little thing? Especially um, 
based on like how we grew up, like from yeah. like the SNES to now, like it's pretty yeah. incredible. Like even with ni- like that's all Nintendo. I mean, even our Xbox 360s that live next to the Switch are like these big clunky <laughs> old machines. Like in comparison, do we want to talk about that? You just said Xbox 360s because we do have two. Yes, we do have two. Because right, I forgot that, they that was are a weird thing. In different ways. There, we have two separate Xbox yeah. 360, well, two discrete Xbox yeah, 360s. 360s because we didn't always live together, so we what? just had our own things but kai's xbox 360's disk drive does not open you have to stick a little paper clip into and the even top then bit that and doesn't it doesn't really always work. work um it's i think it's worked less and less the more you do it i just don't think it works yeah, anymore i, I think you need new... to look yourself in the mirror and say my xbox 360 is broken that's hard enough to look at myself in the mirror in the first place yeah that's fair <laughs> um and mine i bought used on amazon and it turned out to be a japanese xbox 360 which means it will not play any dvds um, that have an American country code, which is yep. all the DVDs I own, and, and uh, it will not play. Well, it it'll, it'll it plays play most games. games, yeah. But here and there, there's a game it won't play. Yeah, so I just need to get a new Xbox 360. But anyway, the Switch is very good, and it lives next to our multiple Xbox 360s. Yeah, we have two Xbox 360s. We should probably put a picture of our TV setup yeah. on the social media it's somewhere because it's pretty funny. It is. We have very two funny. discrete Xbox 360s. We have a Wii and a GameCube. And a yeah. Uh, for and a some PS2. reason, two PS2s. Well, the PS2s aren't out there in drawers. No, but we have but they two discrete there. PS2s. Um, Xbox One. We have an Xbox One. That These I got are all hooked from up. From Microsoft. And then uh, it's not hooked up that you never use as a PS3. Yes, that um, is completely accurate. That I've never accurate. seen you use. Yep. You're but right. I'm getting a, I got a, I'm getting a fatty tax return this year, so oh, yeah. I might use that to buy a, um, what's it called? PS4? <laughs> yep, the and fourth iteration of the PS. VR headset, because I want to play Beat Saber really bad. I want to watch and you Star play Trek Beat Saber. fucking Bridge I want to play that so that much. That is the game of okay. all games. So let's move on to uh, what the gayest thing that we've done this week is. Yep. Um... Uh, we've done a lot of gay things this we week. We have done a lot of gay things this week. I was going to talk about um, Alok Vade Menon's live show. Yeah, that was definitely the in Denver. Thing. We've done um, this week. We walked into the theater, the Buntport Theater, and it was just filled to the brim. Like, they played two sold-out shows, which is incredible, um, with very, very visibly queer folks. And yeah. just just very queer energy in this room. Yeah. It was so wonderful to walk in there. And Hannah was very tired walking in. So and I tired. was like, Hannah, the queer energy will wake you up. I know, I almost didn't go because it was so... Yeah. I barely slept and then I had a seven-hour line out the door at the coffee shop I work at. But we went. We went. And, and I was glad I went. Yeah, and it was... Their show is just... Um, Alok Vade Menon, for context, for people who don't know, is a uh, non-binary, uh, gender non-conforming person uh, of color, person poet, of color, performance poet, artist, and performance artist. Yeah, incredible individual. Yeah. Like they are one of my biggest uh, inspirations in the mm-hmm. way that they approach the marriage of theory and art, mm-hmm. and the way that they integrate like theory into yeah. their. The art. show is called Femme in Public. Yeah, and it's about their experience as being a femme non-binary person. In public, like it's pretty, yeah, one to one, and the the experiences that they have with that, and it was like a hybrid um, 
like they started with like a 10 minute poem mm-hmm. and then they did like a 20 a minute comedy, comedy bit. bit that yeah. seamlessly transitioned like the end of the comedy bit yeah. into another poem. Like it was, it was so brilliantly done that it was like funny, 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 funny. And there was like a moment you realized Bam. like this isn't funny anymore. We're done with the jokes and portion. And that was so fucking like theater of cruel. Like mm-hmm. it was so skillful. And then they integrated technology into it and the mm-hmm. effect yeah, that technology really cool. plays they did on non-binary mm-hmm. and existence like for people of color especially. Um, and like how it how it is to be on stage versus in public and the bystander effect mm-hmm. and how horrific the bystander effect can be on mm-hmm. for people it was if you have the chance to see them perform do it please yeah, do it yeah it was pretty amazing they and used like looper pedals and they the they did like a projections mm-hmm. thing that was just using their ipad and like uh face recognition program of some kind that like puts your face on celebrities with their iPad like in real time it was yeah. really really cool it, it was just such a good show yeah. um, and it was really simple and it was really cool so it was just like the gayest thing that most of us have done this week yeah. actually it was also like you were saying like it was walking into like the queerest room I feel like I've ever been in <laughs> like yeah. it was amazing like I turned and you and I was like we a lot like, of queer rooms yeah I was like do you uh, think there's a single straight person here and you were like no no I don't think there is I would legitimately believe that like maybe there was I don't know like, and good on them but uh, yeah, good on them. But uh, it was pretty incredible to just be in a room that powerful. Yeah, full of very powerful queers. I was so excited about the the space too. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, space. let's 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 move on into our main segment. Wait, I want to think oh, about yes. if there's anything okay. else gay that I've done this week. It's very early, so I don't. It's too early to be gay. That's um, not true. That's never true. Don't be ridiculous. It's true. Um, don't tell me when I can. I can't be gay. I'm sorry. You're right. Oh, I bought a new bike. That's pretty gay. Oh, that was very gay. Yeah, yes. And I tell them your name from, for the bike. Yeah, I bought a bike from a queer on the Denver Queer Exchange, which is like Craigslist for gay people in Denver yeah. on Facebook. Um, I bought a bike. It's lovely. It's a 1980s twin road bike. I don't know anything about bikes, but I've been informed that it's a nice bike. It and looks it nice. great to ride. And I've named, elected to name it Shepard. Yep. After Commander Shepard yep. of Commander the Mass Shepherd. Effect series that we were just talking about for 20 whole minutes. She's perfect. Yep. She's very beautiful. Um, so. And I've never owned a bike that like fits me properly before. The, That's my, true. She's my your size. own bike. She's my spirit bike. I'm very proud of you, Hannah. Uh, thank you. I'm very, ha- very happy about it. Correct. And I wear my jorts and I ride my bike. I do want to mention that um, I am the only one out of the two of us that can get a bike into the back of a car. So yeah. I did have to go help Hannah pick up this bike yeah. so I could put it in the back I of the car understand. and bring it back. I have pretty solid spatial reasoning. And I don't. Until I have to put a bike in a car and then it entirely breaks down. The only <laughs> thing spatially why. that I can do is put a bike in the back of a car and then Incredible. that's the end of it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so now now let's actually go into the main segment. Let's talk about video um, games, maybe. I do want to offer a uh, content warning oh, yeah. for this main segment. Um, we're going to be talking about neurodivergence. Um and I'm going to refer to it as mental illness because that is how it is referred to uh, in academia. And I want to... Often colloquially. And often colloquially. Um, it's it's like things are being painted as mental illness. And I want to show that things are being painted as mental you, illness. And I might be wrong. I was always under the impression that neurodivergence and mental illness meant two different things. I have seen them used interchangeably, and I have seen them mean two different things also. I so I don't the, fully yeah. know. Because I don't, I don't know. And again, like, I'm not trying to speak to experience. I mean, I'm, I am a profoundly mentally ill person. Yeah, I like, identify both as mentally ill and neurodivergent. Because um, I was under the impression yeah. that, like, t- like, somebody being on the autism spectrum would be referred to as neurodivergence, but not 
like depression would be referred to as mental illness. I think it's up to the individual how they want to call that thing. So I personally identify with the term neurodivergent and mentally ill, but I also have a myriad of things that could be classified as both or neither of those things. Um, Do we want to talk about our own (laughs) diagnoses? No, not yet. Going into the segment. I I do. uh, The content warning is uh, for neurodivergence, mental illness, as well as um, uh, conversion therapy. We're going to be talking a little bit about conversion therapy and the history of queer people. I'm sure um, content, I mean, with mental illness, like, I don't know if this will come up, but like self-harm and suicide are often things oh, that sure, come yeah. up in conversation around yeah, those just, things. Yeah, let's just be careful. Suicide, and if those loss, are things that you don't want to listen to, definitely don't listen to this. Yeah, or if you... Listen to the first 20 minutes. Yeah, if you feel like, um, you know, if you have thoughts or opinions or whatever about how we address this, like, know again that Please we're going into know. this based on our own experience and Kai did a lot of research. I had a very busy week, so I didn't do any research, but I have my own lived experience and, uh, we welcome your feedback from, we have fans now. We'll do some shout outs (laughs) to the fans at the end. Hello fans from the internet. We love you. We're very excited that you're here. Yes. Thank you. Um, so yeah, let's just dive right in. So we are talking about night in the woods this week is why, uh, the themes of neurodivergence and mental illness are coming up. Um, this is also the first time we've talked about, um, like an exp- is are the development team of Night in the Woods queer? Is it made by queers? It's a queer, explicitly queer game. It's like often comes up when you, uh, like a friend on Twitter um, came from Facebook and asked us if we wanted some game recommendations, and mm-hmm. like often Night in the Woods is included in like queer indie game recommendations because it is an indie game. It was Kickstarter backed which is pretty neat. I actually don't know if any of the developers themselves are queer. I know who they are, and I follow them on the internet, and they are, seem like very good people. Sure, they made but a good I, game. They made a very good game. I don't. I genuinely don't know how they identify sure. uh, like in that realm. Yeah, totally. And that's that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's I was just fine. curious. Yeah, I mean, if, if anyone knows the answer to this who has, like, more information about the creators than their names and their funny things that they post on Twitter. Please, please let us know. Yeah. Um, so I guess before, before we talked about, uh, night in the woods, I kind of wanted to give some background on like queerness in relation to mental illness. Um, I, I read a couple papers about this, uh, and basically queerness in a variety of forms like gender queerness and like sexuality queerness and all of those things have been classified as, mental illnesses in the DSM for ever. And some things still are classified as mental illnesses in the DSM. Mm -hmm. Um, It was only 43 years ago that the diagnosis of homosexual was removed from the DSM. I thought Uh, it was more recent The second one. Uh, Well, we'll get into some other things. The actual diagnosis of the term homosexual. And we're now on the DSM-5, which still contains the diagnosis for gender dysphoria, um... Other specified gender dysphoria, unspecified gender dysphoria, and it also includes uh, transvestism. I see. Um, which it specifically lists as a straight or bisexual male who dresses up as a woman. And I don't know why gay male is not included yeah, it's in not that. Yeah, not included in that. It seems like a very odd... Um, it's very arbitrary. It, it's, 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 not, it's not super arbitrary because the fact that, like, Sexuality and gender are two things that have been conflated repeatedly throughout time. So if you're diverging from the expected performance of your gender, then you're also like sexually deviant. Or if you're diverting from the sexual performance of your gender, you're gender deviant. Um, 
So anyway, uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about also, um, I personally am diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Uh, and that's only because I fulfilled a very specific list of symptoms. Um, you have to fulfill at least two of these symptoms, uh, that la and it, la it lasts for over a year. Uh, otherwise, you get classified as having a different kind of gender dysphoria, or you don't get classified as having gender dysphoria at all, which precludes you from accessing medical treatment for trans healthcare, uh, which, you know, sucks and is terrible. Yeah, and not everybody has access to horrifying. even getting diagnosed in the first place. Um, I got very lucky in the fact that my gender therapist is like this really dope trans dude who um, just wants to talk about these things and is not going to gatekeep in that way, which is wonderful. But a lot of trans community members don't have access to gender therapists like that. So we all share methods for working around this gatekeeping and preparing for it and like how to act in order to access these certain treatments. So you have to do a very specific type of gendered performance and be like uber representative of whatever right. well, gender Laura Jane Grace to. talks about in yeah. her book Tranny, which is a mm -hmm. very, very good book. Laura Jane Grace book. is the lead singer of the band Against Me, who uh, uh, lives openly as a trans woman and she's wonderful. And her book, her not her most recent album, but a couple of albums back is called Transgender Dysphoria Blues. It's, mm -hmm. it's brilliant. I love that album um, so much. But her book, she talks about how like when she was trying to get hormones, she like wore what she normally wears, kept wearing what she normally wears to the therapist and the doctor, which is like tight jeans and a cutoff t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, she's a punk singer. She is. And then she realized eventually that like the doctor didn't want to see her version of womanhood. No. He wanted to see his version of womanhood. Mm -hmm. So she arrived like super fend up. Like in makeup in a, and a dress. Yeah, in makeup and a dress and got a hormone prescription like instantly that, that she had been struggling yeah. to get for like months. I mean, I very distinctly remember, and I was talking to my therapist about this the other week, the first time that I went in to see him as well as the doctor that provided me with my hormones, um, the way that I dressed and the way that I presented myself was very deliberate. And I actually uh, uh, faked not being non-binary mm. um, because non-binary or gender non-conforming folks are not often afforded hormones. I am a very rare exception that I am able to go to the doctors that I see as myself and get access to the stuff that I get access to. Like, the fact that I identify as a lesbian and wear a hat that says les, like, would likely preclude me from getting hormones um, that, that I need to survive. Mm -hmm. um, and that sucks. I do also want to talk about um, the more of the history of sexual orientation and gender, uh, like how those things are still conflated, but we used to conflate them even more in like the Victorian era, like the early 1900s and late 1800s. Uh, we would classify people as inverts, whether like that was based on how they identified gender wise or like sexuality wise. Um, and that was just one big old diagnosis. And the cures were very similar to some cures that are still used today, such as conversion therapy, as well as a lot of um, basically like retraining. But mm. there were still gender reassignment treatments. But those gender reassignment treatments were often given to people who were not desiring gender reassignment. They were just queer. Mm -hmm. Like they were just sexually queer. And that's... You know, super, super that's, fucked that's up. That's really something. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's 
it's very it's very horrifying and I do want to talk about also how queer folks have been mm, diagnosed with uh, as having a higher rate of mental illness mm-hmm. um, yeah. and my my understanding of that um, from my research is because the fact that people in the US and this is just in the US these statistics are just in the US uh, people in the U.S. who are in more marginalized groups struggle with more health issues because of the stress of micro and macro and violent mm-hmm. and nonviolent aggressions and mm-hmm. discriminations. Totally. Uh, Alec has a line I, that they spoke in one of their poems that I just reread that poem last night in their book that mm-hmm. we bought. Um, that was uh, as though, I'm going to maybe paraphrase this, but as though trauma was something we chose and not the other way around. Yeah. It's it's not that being gay gives you a mental illness. It's that society treats you badly yeah, it for treats being you like queer. Shit, and that makes you and that makes you depressed and anxious. Depressed and often. anxious and it's like there's very feeling. much proportionally much higher rates of tobacco use and substance abuse among queer communities, partially because uh, companies market to Directly queer people specifically. To like in if fact, you go to Pride, yeah. our Pride in Denver because corporate pride exists, uh, is sponsored by Coors, um, which fucking blows, because also Pete Coors is a yeah, Trump-supporting piece of shit. Uh, but Coors has, like, I don't know. Coors supports a lot of things in Colorado, because well, they're based in Colorado. There's actually an insane history there, because one of the first companies who directly advertised to queer people when they realized that queer people are market was Absolute. Mm-hmm. Um, which and, is a vodka brand. Which is a vodka brand, yeah. There's, there's this insane history of mostly... Uh, substances being marketed yeah, market to, queer to queers like before other things are before being marketed. Other things, yeah. yeah. Also when you go to Pride, uh there are people there, like there's tents where you can go get tobacco and stuff. Like there's mm-hmm. people walking around like hawking cigarettes at young people and that kind of thing, which is pretty fucked up. Cause also you don't cigarette companies aren't allowed to advertise in the ways that they used to. No. Um but at Pride they're just they like openly advertise. And I know several queer people, this one kid Benji that I know, um who, kid, they're like 27, um, who uh, uh, I've run into several times. Like, I know several queer people who um, work for, like, American Spirit or Marlboro because they make a lot of money, um, like, going to clubs and bars and walking around, like, hawking cigarettes to people. Yeah. And that's, like, a solid source of income for several queer people I know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we are... I always like to mention this. It was only the year of our Lord, 2003, um, with Lawrence v. Texas, that we, uh, mostly uh, queer men, but we as a whole, are legally allowed to have sex. Mm -hmm. Before the year 2003, if you had gay sex, you were breaking the law. Right. Um, And that is literally just like, if... If such a core aspect of your identity is illegal, that that fosters so much discrimination and hatred because that makes it like a legal precedent for people to hate you. Right. Um, like and, the law is on their side. Yeah, the like the law is on their side. The law is still on their side. Like we're regressing in many ways because we have a vi- the vice president of this country yeah. believes that it believes in conversion therapy. Yeah, that uh, gay people are and transgender people are degenerates and that electroshock therapy can turn people straight or cis or whatever Yeah, and openly advocates for hooking people up to electrodes and shocking them till they're not gay anymore. And that is 
the vice president of the country that we live in. I mean, that's honestly where uh, a lot of trans folks are now, too, especially yeah. um, conversion therapy is is very uh, there's high rates of that in our community, um, as well as like, oh, trans panic is still an accepted defense in a lot of places. Oh, absolutely. Um, I am legally allowed to be kicked out of housing federally for being trans. Uh, yeah. Not under Colorado. Not law, a, I don't though, which is nice. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I feel like I looked it up and I it was it was iffy. I wasn't entirely sure. I'm pretty sure, and I think something just. Like oh, a judiciary committee just passed the Colorado, the um, re like building of the Colorado Civil Rights Division okay. to like be essentially like a task force to Colorado is complicated politics. We do. Uh, a lot of stuff about it is not great, but uh, it has been pretty good since the election about at least um, saying it's going to protect people under this administration. I mean, I am legally allowed to use whatever bathroom I want. <laughs> It's I'm a lesbian, so it's okay. There's a story yeah, behind we went, that. We're at a, uh, well, we're at an Evanescence concert. We're at an Evanescence in concert. In the year of our Lort, uh, 2016. Lort. Uh, Malort. Explain, our year of Malort, 2016. <laughs> yep. um, Was it 2016? No, 2017. Sorry, yeah, okay. it's 2018 now. Yeah. Um, and uh, which is brilliant and I Evanescence was my first favorite band and I've never gotten to see them before it was a very good show and I had a lot of feelings about it it's neither here nor there we were in line for the bathroom at this theater and well, Hannah was, was in I line. was in line I, I had already the gone. men's room so they got in and out um I was still in line for like 20 minutes and um there was this person in line for the men's room who kept who was presumably drunk or maybe they were just excited they were just on that good, good Evanescence high. Oh, yeah. Who kept shouting, um, in the state of Colorado, I can legally use whatever bathroom I want. Like, shouting it across. Into the men's room. Into the men's into room. The men's room. Uh, which is true. But then they were like, I'm a lesbian, so it's okay. And I was standing there washing my hands in the men's bathroom like, yep. Yep. I, I'm going to use yep. that as my defense for anything I do. And I have used it since. Yeah. I am a lesbian, lesbian so, so it's, it's okay. Because how are people going to argue with that? They can't. They're so confused that they can't argue back. Exactly. And, you know, like try to prove that I, what I said isn't true. You can't. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know anything. Um, I, have an up, I, I looked that up. Um, uh, transgender people were added to Colorado's anti-discrimination housing laws in 2008. Yeah. Hey, fabulous. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, according to many articles that are popping up. It doesn't always apply. Problems still persist. Yeah. That's what I thought. But okay. legally, the law is on your legally, side. Legally, the law is on your side, and you could take someone to court. Yeah, and I can't afford a lawyer. Yeah. I can't afford a lawyer, but other you people have the money, yeah. yeah. People yeah. Don't have the money, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's very true. Um. So, is there anything else that you want to say on this topic? I guess... Well, I, this is kind of the topic of the whole episode. No, that's true. I just mean like... Um, like before we the, start talking the, about Before we start talking about the Night in the Woods. I guess, I, as I asked you that, I realized that there was something more that I wanted to say on the yeah, topic. Yeah, you, you go. Um, I have had, like, I have a lot of uh, Our diagnosis. producer just went to the bathroom Yeah, our also. producer just left. We're fine. Um, he's not feeling well. He's not feeling good. Uh, I have a lot of neurodivergence and experience with neurodivergence under my belt. I was first diagnosed with uh, depression, anxiety, and OCD and PTSD when I was 14 years old and 13 years old. And as the years went by, I kept picking up more diagnoses. Um, gotta catch them all. Yeah, got, I, I also have ADHD, uh, I am on the autism spectrum, uh, and there's a weird relationship between those two things uh, that I don't fully understand and has not been explained to me fully. Um, 
oh boy, and what else? Oh, gender dysphoria. I'm also diagnosed yeah. with gender dysphoria, but that's more recent. Uh, and my treatment in the neurodivergent and mental illness, like institutional systems that be, has been different because of my queer identity. Sure. Um, I have had really negative experiences with the ways that psychiatrists tried to fix me and, uh, there were certain things that I had to do in order to prove that I was well. I'm using a lot of air quotes that you yeah, cannot see. Yeah. In order to prove that I was well, air quote, um, that required specific gender or sexual performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also a lot of discrimination about my uh, polyamorous identity sure. as well. Like, that's not seen as healthy or doable by a lot of the mental health right. community. It's not seen, yeah, it's not seen as like a, a viable identity. It's yeah. still seen as more, even people who are like supposedly chill with like gayness or whatever, like it's not seen as like a viable identity. It's seen as like you're a slut or you're deviant yeah. or you're a cheater or whatever it is. Well, on top of that also, uh, my involvement in the uh, BDSM community is right, has not been treated wanna, well either. Based on what I just said, I want to clarify that like I don't personally think like slut is necessarily a viable criticism or like a negative term. That's like, what there's people have called me. Yeah, there's absolutely, if you like, there are people I've known who like use slut as like an empowering term and that's like there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like I'm, I'm, not saying that I assign judge. I'm saying I don't assign. Yeah, you're, you're, you're saying that that's what to, people say. Yeah, that's what people say yeah. as though it's a negative thing. So I I can speak from years and years of experience and hospitalizations and treatments that to say that queerness, in spite of the fact that like being gay itself is not considered a mental illness anymore, is still. I, the DSM. By the DSM. It is by a lot of uh, by a lot human of people. Beings. Yes, thank you. Um, it it still has a very negative effect on the way that you are treated in in like the the mental health um, care systems. Sure. Um, and also, uh, I am I am also physically disabled, and being disabled and neurodivergent on top of being trans, um, especially having PTSD, makes it so hard to get access to trans-specific health care. Because your concerns about your body and your brain are not taken seriously because your body and your brain are already deviant. Sure. Um, And it's assumed that whatever you say about it is just inaccurate because you're you're wrong and you're mentally ill and you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, I haven't had quite the same experience as a person who's not trans uh, and not physically disabled. Um, Like, I chronic pain from injuries, but I don't, like, I'm not physically disabled. Um, I, but I've been diagnosed at various points with, I didn't start seeing therapy until, seeing therapy, (laughs) the institution of therapy, uh, until I was 18 and I got to college and I was out of my parents' house and started to realize all the shit that happened to me in my life. Um, I, uh, Lost my train of thought. It's coming back. Oh, I've been diagnosed at various points with ADHD. I haven't really had, like, consistent therapy. Like, I went to school therapists of varying quality. Sure. Mostly not great. Um, And then now, like, I've been seeing the same therapist for the past three years, and she's very good. Mm -hmm. Um, She doesn't super understand a lot of queer stuff, but she, like, doesn't really... uh, she's not necessarily super helpful often with queer stuff, but she doesn't really like 
judge or try to um, like treat it. Yeah. Delegitimize it or like treat it. Um, Like where she's mostly a trauma therapist. We're focusing on trauma primarily. Um, But I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I've been diagnosed for sure with uh, major depression, double depression, which is where your depression makes you more depressed. Wait, are, are they allowed to do that? What, double depression? Yeah. Yeah, you can double down on depression. Oh, shit. KFC double down of That's depression. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's double depression, I think, is classified as, like, you get so depressed about how depressed you are that you get more depressed. Wow, I actually don't know for sure what my depression diagnosis is called, but that, that sounds... Major depression and double depression for me. Uh, generalized anxiety disorder, um, ADHD. Um, you got PTSD? Yeah. Not that... Oh, excuse me. That's good audio. Yeah, <laughs> right in the... Uh, right in the mic. Um, not that's been diagnosed. Mm. May, pro- probably, honestly, based yeah. on, like, events. self-diagnoses and events, but uh, not that's been diagnosed. Sure. Um, but I am, as of recently, as of a couple weeks ago, uh, I've been prescribed medication. Yeah. Which is something that I struggled with the decision to do for a long time, but my therapist, like, sort of kept bringing it up, but not in the way that she was ever going to, like, force me to take medication. Of course. Not that she can do that, but that she would bring it up from time to time, and whenever I was like, no, she was like, okay, but pointed out that, like, my... I don't need to, like, go into detail, but basically that, like, it will bring me to, like, my lows are so low that my highs are still pretty low, Mm -hmm. historically, so, like... It brings my lows up or like my baseline up so my highs can be better and my lows will be like a normal person's lows and not like crippling, suicidal, non-functional depression. Which is so exciting and great. Yeah. Um, and I've been on it for two weeks and so far I really like it. The first week was a lot of nausea. Yep. Um, and sleepiness. Hannah just couldn't eat. Just too couldn't great. really eat. Um, now I can eat again and yeah. uh, I'm generally sleeping better and uh, just more chilled out. Like I, li- I do like it a lot. I'm, uh, if anybody's curious, I'm a ton milligrams of the generic for Lexapro. Yeah. And as, as a comparison point and uh, I definitely did not respond as positively as I would have liked to to you telling me about you starting. No, you were um, kind of an ass about it. I was kind of an ass about it by my own admission. Um, In spite of the fact that I am very excited for you and happy for you because I love you a lot and I really want you to feel good in your brain. Ah, jeez. I know. Yeah, and but I have a very bad history with getting uh, over-prescribed medication and incorrectly prescribed medication and like starting from when I was 14. Like my brain developed on um, various antidepressants that kept changing like over the period of months, and that's just not how you're supposed to do no, any that's of not that. How any of it works. Um, hey, Tori, our cat is eating a plant right now. Can somebody grab her? that plant? Um, <laughs> Sorry, we've got a live show going on. Uh, Sorry, she always leaves that plant alone, but then sometimes she just decides like, mm, I want attention, so I'm going to try and eat something yeah. I really shouldn't. So I have a, I have a very bad history with medication, and as a result, I was uh, not as supportive as I wanted better. to be with um, with Hannah. But I I am I am like in in support of you and very Thank you. invested in your ability to function function. And it's sleep because I've had chronic insomnia as for yeah, as long as I, I can remember. Medication is for some people and not for others. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm not like yeah. saying. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not saying that you're saying that. I just I just want to say like as a. <laughs> Our cat's just, um, <laughs> as a, as a comparison point, we're coming from two contrasting like histories with mm-hmm. this. Um, and I think that that's a really good starting point for conversation about it. Yeah, totally. 
So yeah. Night in the Woods. So the Night in the Woods. we're going to talk about. Um, it's a video game podcast. Well, all of this background... Well, this is also a gay podcast. and Yeah. That, all this background is important in all like this, our experience yes. of where we're coming from. Because I also... like My history with medication was not... was I had the sort of public common public perception that like medication was giving up or medication was for crazy people or medication was like not, it was like a numbing agent basically, which is not at all true uh, yeah, if it works properly. Like depression is a numbing agent. The point of medication is to remove that cloud so that you can like do your work and yeah. like function and live and be feel happiness. I mean, it's literally to regulate all those good chemicals in your brain to make right. them work how they're supposed to work. Right, exactly. Um, but I definitely, and I dated somebody, uh, it was in a very abusive relationship for hey, almost me too. Yeah, weird. For a couple of years almost uh, with somebody who was just, oh gosh, she was a fucking racist idiot. But also, uh, was like so vehemently anti-medication also and like transphobic. Yeah, also transphobic, and also she was like an anti-vaxer. Like yeah. she was just a dumb shit who like had a bunch of dumb shit opinions. This person, I don't like to shit talk my exes at all, except for this person is an evil monster. Sure. Um. Uh. Anyway. Anyway, but uh, so that sort of infected my viewpoint for a long time too. So it took me a while to like get to the point of like, no, medication is something that I'm willing to try because I, it's not like bad. Like it can potentially help me and yeah. it's not like there's no giving there's strength in taking medication I think if that's what is the right decision for you like yeah. you're taking like I personally am taking my own mental health and healing in my own hands which I've been doing for years but like this is the next step for me in that journey well it's super <laughs> empowering and like I can see a shift in the way that you're thinking about yourself and how you're doing and like how you, you feel and it just makes me really happy and excited for you thanks bud yeah um, so all of this backstory brings me to why I was drawn so strongly to Night in the Woods. Um, I remember seeing advertisements for it for four years before it came out because it's an indie game made by Scott Benson, Bethany Hockenberry, Alec... That's Hol- a great last name. Holoqua. Holoqua? Holoqua. I'm sorry. I'm very bad at some things. Okay. Um... And then Secret Lab and Infinite Fall were also the, the big people that were involved with it. Um... And it was, like, on Kickstarter and in Mm -hmm. development for many years. And I kept hearing about it on the internet. And it was, like, a game with uh, neurodivergent, mentally ill characters that are queer also. And I was, like, that's me. me. It me. Um, And it was first released January of 2017, which was last year. Um, And I just remember instantly purchasing it because I had just gotten out of – I had just come back into the country after a really – like dark struggle with um alcohol abuse problems and just was not doing well at Mm -hmm. all um and I felt really separated from my friends and really distant from like reality and I was just uh doing bad um and I had just been waiting for this game and waiting for this game and when when I saw that it had come out I was like this is gonna help me like I know this is gonna help me and something that I kept that I keep saying to Hannah over the course of this week as we're talking about this game is that the way that the gameplay works... Oh, the the main character is Mae Borowski, and yes. she's this little cat that is pansexual and has um, dissociative uh, struggles, struggles with mm-hmm. dissociation um, and depression and anxiety. anxiety yep. um, so anyway, the gameplay of this is... It goes like day by day and it's very cyclical and repetitive and you talk to the same people or like every day and you try to do 
the same, not necessarily the exact same things every day because things change from day to day, but you like, you raise a family of rats and then they like are born into the world and you do that by feeding them every day. Mm -hmm. And you can develop a relationship with your mom by visiting her at the church every day and you uh, build relationships with your friends by visiting them on like altering days or like every day you can visit one friend. And that just was such a gift to me because Mm -hmm. building a consistent schedule is the thing that helps me so much. Like I now wake up every morning and, uh, work out like for 30 minutes and, um, do like meditation through yoga. And that is so useful to me. Like I would not be here right now if I had not had that kind of modeled schedule building and that kind of modeled discipline building um, that I had not gained from this game and also from, you know, uh, like, what, 10 years of therapy now that I've had. But still, that was just such a a really positive and beneficial representation of mental illness and neurodivergence and how you can, like, do something. Mm -hmm. Um, That just just really affected me very strongly. That's awesome. Um... Yeah, the main character also, um, May Borowski, which I was trying to think of her last name for such a long time, and I kept thinking of Benewski, which is just because I just read Geek Love, and that's the last name of the family in the book Geek Love. That's but, delightful. Um, it's not it. It's Borowski. Um, she is a, uh, like in this world, it's like all anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And she has that's dropped out problem. of college because basically she was just too... Anxious to well, she's struggling with dissociation yeah, too much. Too, too much, yeah, anxiety and dissociation mm-hmm. to do college, um, and it sort of like speaks to like she's the first person. She also it talks about there was an incident in her past, like she struggles with like dissociation violent. and uh, violent anger mm-hmm. outbursts, like violent uh, intrusive thoughts, and also like anger outbursts, which mm-hmm. is something that I struggled very much with as a child mm-hmm. and pretty much up until a few years ago when I really started doing this trauma regression therapy. Like, I um, can remember incidents in my childhood where, like, I... And, like, up through adulthood where, like, I will get, like, blackout angry. Like, legitimately don't remember things. Like, I guess red out is maybe more the word for it, but, like, uh, just, like, berserker rage. Just, like, the only thing I feel is anger and the urge to do violence. Um, and that hasn't happened to me in a very long time, but I can remember it for like from childhood. Um, so that was something like I identified with for sure. Yeah. Um, and she like, it, it speaks to like the pressure put on her, like in her, um, family in the game, she's the like first person to go to college. Yes. And she's under a lot of pressure and that kind of, but just like feels very like alone. It doesn't really make friends at school and it just becomes unhandleable for her. Um, which is something I very, very, very much struggled in college too. I like, I'm from a family of college educated people. So that's like a privilege that I have and also like a different experience for me, but there was still uh, a lot, a lot of pressure on me to succeed academically for my whole life growing up. Like, I feel like my entire, um, identity and, uh, like measurement of success in my family was tied to, especially with my mom when I was growing up, was tied to my academic performance. Like my whole worth was my academic performance. Um, so that's something I identified with as well. But uh, like I 
don't know how I got through college, but I did, and I graduated. Yeah. Um, I think just by, like, dissociating, maybe, and getting through it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's sort of her context, and she's coming back to her small hometown um, after having dropped yeah, out of college. Where she has friends and yeah, family. Yeah, where she has, like, friends and family to sort of, like... Um, like she to a degree views herself as a failure and there's some like pressure from her family in the game of like mm-hmm. how like did, monetarily yeah like how did you fail this like we put so much into you going yeah. to college uh, when she's just like I just couldn't do it like I don't know what to tell you like I just couldn't do it yeah um, and that's something that I think speaks to like a lot of millennial experiences for sure like mm-hmm. a lot of young people in this country who like um, obviously a lot of folks don't go to college, but a lot of folks who, uh, like there's so much placed on like do school, go to college, like you'll What's get the a good linear job. straight timeline. Right. Yeah. You'll get a good job. You'll get good opportunities if you go to college, blah, blah, blah. And then and you'll like, work and then you'll get married and then you'll die. Yeah. Well, um, then you'll have kids and then you'll yeah, die. Yeah. You'll have kids and then you'll die. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just that like intense pressure, uh, is something that I've, I know yeah. a lot of folks who grew up in that environment and this speaks to the power of like alternative timelines to that kind of linear one um there are other characters in this game besides may there's this uh queer couple greg and angus who Mm -hmm. are just two two queer dudes who are in a relationship and really happy and in love with each other um and greg suffers from uh well not necessarily suffers greg experiences uh bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. um and angus i think is uh neurotypical um well, he talks, he does, Angus comes from an abusive household. Yes, and so he, he talks about struggles how with PTSD. he feels like Greg sort of saved him. Yeah. Too. So there's, there's, I think the game portrays a slightly unhealthy aspect to, like, that they both know that some aspect of their relationship isn't yeah. super healthy in that mindset, but they're aware of that. And they care about each other yeah, very they care about deeply, each other very and deeply and as people, and, and it's wonderful. Um, and then there's uh, Bay. Greg is a fox. Greg um, is a fox. Uh, Angus is a bear. Is a bear. Uh, and then there's Bay. May. <laughs> no, no. Is it Bay? It's B. B. It's B. I, I don't know how to pronounce That's that. Pronounce B. Oh, okay. Well, uh, B. Who, it's not Bay. I, well, she's Bay, but she is her Bae. name is B. She's a crocodile who suffers from depression and who uh, lost her mother. Um, and had to take over the family business. And had to take over the family business. This game takes place in, I believe, Appalachia. Um, it's it not feels really specified. Like, it's not specified, yeah. but it feels like it's Appalachia. A, yeah, it's a, de- it's a, it's a it's derelict a, mining town. Yeah, derelicts. Well, not like totally derelicts, but like it was a town whose industry used to be based on the coal mine mining. The mine is derelict. Uh, and the mine is now derelict. Yeah. Uh, and there was like a huge mine explosion and stuff. And yeah. now the town economy is pretty much in the shitter yeah. because of the lack of mining. So it, it does. Yeah. It, it feels like Appalachia. It reminds me a lot of like where my family, mm-hmm. where part of my family came from. Uh, part of my family too. Yeah. Different yeah, parts of Appalachia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Um, well, your family's from Pennsylvania, yeah. Appalachia. Mine's from uh, Tennessee, Virginia, Appalachia. Yeah. But uh, a bunch of people, like, lost their jobs, and a lot of people struggle with uh, addiction and, like, mental health issues um, where where my family is from. And it the game deals with this kind of, like, real crisis of all of these young people, like, moving out and all of these old people, like, dying and being really sad and struggling to support themselves and their yeah, families. it's like a dying town. Yeah, it's a dying town. And the way that the plot um, sort of deals with the idea of, like, the end of the world that we all once were familiar with and knew and the beginning of a new world is really, really cool. Because this game came out so recently, I don't really want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to say that, like the intensity of the plot is incredible. Yeah. Like, the way that that story of um, 
of like a town is told mm-hmm. is well, amazing. There's a, there's a gothic element too. It's to it's it. very there's gothic. Sort of horror horror esque. Like I think you could almost describe it as a horror game. But I wrote really. and it's scary exclamation. It point. is spooky. It's spooky for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, if not a horror, there's like a. Um, Certainly a gothic, like gothic Americana aspect, which is my shit, as you know. Oh, if I had had time to research this week, I would have talked more about gothic Americana. But maybe I'll talk about that more with more games uh, next week. Uh, Because, like, literary and artistic movements, like literary movements, gothic Americana is my shit. And I I love it. I know a lot about it. And Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, there's a, a supernatural element to it in that. Um, that's sort of one of the definitions of the gothic, but there's a supernatural element mm-hmm. to it um, and a very, like, spooky, haunting aspect to it um, that bo- is both literal, but also, as it often does, serves as this cool, like, allegory for mental illness and the way that that makes, that has, like, makes your brain perceive the world, basically. Yeah. Like, um how, like, if you have severe anxiety, like, you see shadows in the corners of your vision. You yeah. know what I mean? And especially mm-hmm. dissociation, like, if I'm having a dissociative episode. Yeah, your posters. Um, which hasn't happened in a while, but um, uh, panic attacks and dissociative episodes, like, art like art with faces, specifically, like, the posters on my walls and stuff become very frightening to me. Mm-hmm. Or, like, one time I was having a panic episode, I had this giant eight-foot death tarot card on my wall, because I'm goth. Um... And uh, one time in my old apartment, like, I was having a panic episode and just staring at, like, the letter H on the poster, like, that was scaring me so badly for some reason, like, the way that that was written. Mm. Uh, maybe because it looks like blood? I don't know. I really I don't, know. don't know how to explain it, but, like, that was so frightening to me for whatever reason. Um, and so it sort of plays with that, like, what is frightening and how do your perceptions and your experience in your mind um like inform and create what is frightening to a degree. Um, and it should be said, I did not super enjoy, I think White Knight in the Woods is a good game. I did not super enjoy playing it. As I much very, as I did. Right. I had a very different experience of it. I was a little frustrated on a purely gameplay level by the mechanic of it. Like the movement is a little slow um, and the jumping is not super, it's a platformer, but like mm-hmm. the platform mechanics weren't super like intuitive or satisfying to me of that aspect itself. It's like a a side-scrolling platformer. Um, But, uh, and I think just where I maybe was in my brain when I was playing it, the repetitive nature felt a little um, entrapping to me. Like, it felt like a little bit more, like, mirrored my own experience, not in, like, a... um, uplifting or satisfying way, but in a sort of frustrating way. Like, maybe... Mm -hmm. I often play games for escapism and it didn't feel like escapism to mm. me. It felt a little too real, maybe. Sure. Um, I would actually like to play it again at some point because there is a lot of replay value to yeah, it. Yeah, there too. is. There's there are different endings. Very different endings and very different ways you can play the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Um, and I love that type of thing in games. But yeah, it was very... Um, I was sort of frustrated by it. I think I also just... Made, I don't know. I don't know. But... Uh, I mean, there's... Before before we're done talking about it, too. Yeah. Talking um, about it has definitely a little bit changed my cool. perception of it. And I also, like, it's one of those things where, like, I objectively agree that it is a good game. Yeah. I just didn't the most enjoy playing it. Sure. Um, two, two things, two things. Uh, number one, there is a canonically trans character in this game. Yeah. Uh, her name is Jackie. Uh, yes. She's B's friend, who I now know how to pronounce her name out loud. Yeah. Um, B, not Jackie. Uh, 
and there's this scene at Jackie's famous party where May uh, meets this really cute girl that she like is unable unable to flirt with with (laughs) because she's so cute. And I just feel that so hard. Um, Yeah, that's gay culture. I have been waiting for a chance to speak about this anecdote on the podcast. Oh boy, Um, I love this story. (laughs) Yeah, how I I would love I would love if you would chime in. Yeah, it's definitely the sexy pizza story. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Sexy pizza, man. Yeah, sexy pizza is it's quite a, a pe- place. Local pizza place um, uh, that Kai and I have individually dated has, two discreet yes. people. Well, not dated. Well, I did not date this person. Yeah, I didn't really date this person, but like we fucked. Yeah, have had relations. Have had relations. Known in the biblical sense. No, yeah, I was gonna make that uh, joke. Fuck two um, women who have worked at this yep. pizza establishment. Uh, shout out! I got discounts sometimes. Yeah, uh, me too. Yep. Uh, so anyway, I, we had gone rollerblading, you were on your longboard and I was on my rollerblades, um, and we were at Sexy Pizza and, uh, I was carrying my rollerblades into this establishment and the person at the, the cute, uh, ostensibly woman, um, whenever we say like cute girl, it's like we're reading signifiers. Yeah, which, you know, we shouldn't do. Um, Um, but the cute girl at the, uh, uh, the the register said, um, I also rollerblade. And Kai said... I said, thank you. Yep. Because I I was very overwhelmed by how attractive this person was. And I was like, um, she's going to say... Uh, I like I like your rollerblades. But she didn't. What or, she said was... I also rollerblade. I also rollerblade. And Kai said, thank you. As if I was thanking her for her very existence. Yeah, thank you for rollerblading. Thank you for rollerblading You're also. So and then I immediately went and sat down and told Hannah yeah. about the experience. And then we ate a lot of... We eat a lot of cheese, and we're this both lactose intolerant. Yeah. This was in our dark days. It was a bad situation. It was the, the dark period of our lives. Um, anyway, yeah. So I I think, yeah, being being flustered by attractive people is mm-hmm. the queer experience, uh, and that I definitely see represented in the game. It was weird. I actually didn't share this anecdote with you. I, for whatever reason, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to the game, I read that because I was at that party and it was sort of like a goth club scene. Yeah, it's very cool. And so I read this, ex- and that's a goth club. A goth club is a place where I hang out a lot, and sure. I've been going this one club for years, and like often I've gone by myself and I've had a lot of experiences with shitty dudes hitting on me. Yeah, and like fine, nice dudes hitting on me. Um, and now we go and it's who fun. are like you're cute, and I'm like I'm gay, and they're like ah okay, and go away. Um, and uh, but I read that interaction like I didn't read that person as a woman. Um, mm. And so I weirdly read this, like, went in reading in this interaction as uh, the shitty dude is trying to talk to May at the That's goth club. That's fascinating. Uh, Holy so shit. So I had a very different read of the interaction and, like, responded with dialogue choices very differently. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was it was very bizarre that I was, like, I mean, not bizarre, but, like, I was putting my own experience so far on, so much on that. Yeah. And I think because I was a little, like... You were salty. I was salty, and I was a little salty about the game. Maybe I was just salty in general yeah, at that point in my you life. Were. Um, it was winter, and I get very you get salty in the uh, winter. Yeah, I get uh, seasonal affectedness disorder for sure. Abbreviated as salt. Yeah, that's what they call it. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. So 
I put my own experience on that and like read it very differently. And then later when May was like, that girl was so cute. I was like, oh, oh that was a very different interaction than I thought it was. Yeah. No, it was, it was very cute. I, I loved that interaction the first time I played it. So again, I would be curious for you to replay that for yeah, a while. Yeah, someday I'll replay it. I've yep. got so many fucking games to play. One these days. Because we just got Breath of the Wild. Yes, I'm very... So the last thing that I think I wanted to mention about Night in the Woods was kind of the incidental queerness thing that we were talking about. Because mm-hmm. these characters are both incredibly open about their queer identities, but it is kind of an incidental fact about them. Totally, yeah. Like, like May, you don't really... Sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's okay. You don't that's really... That's what podcasts are. It is, yeah, you're right. It's just two people interrupting each other for an Constantly, hour and a half. Yep. Um, May doesn't... You don't really, like, romance anybody as May. Romance. Yeah. Um, That's a verb now. Right? Like, but it, like, comes up, like, some kids, like, ask her a question, and she's like, yeah, boys and girls, I don't... Like, yeah, yeah, like, when people. she's talking about her future partner, she's like, they, like... Yeah. Um, And then Greg and Angus are dating and yeah. they're men and they talk about it and it's not weird and it's yeah, not it's like not like they're gay yeah it's not like mentioned in in a discriminatory sense either like the people of the town that i noticed did not say anything negative about right. it was these just like queer your characters. like uh, your mom is like your friends greg and angus are they still dating like yeah and it's not like kind of neat that this wasn't like they didn't play into the like trope of Small town homophobia, I feel like. Yeah. It was just allowed to incidentally exist, which is a pretty cool... Well, there are so many queer people that live in small towns mm-hmm. and have both really positive and really negative and mediocre experiences yeah. in those towns. Um, and that's often ignored in mm-hmm. pop culture. Like, totally. it's seen as, like, the urban queers, like, the the good queer. Like, yeah. the successful or like queer. The, yeah, the queer that's, like, having the good time. Yeah. When as in, though we don't get harassed and spit on and beaten which we in cities. Do. Yeah, so it's... It, it felt like uh, a nice little bit of like non erasure, like representation of yeah, that experience, totally, which made yeah. me really just satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hi, Tori. Um, she hears her dad. Yes, she does. Yeah. So oh. anyway, that was. I really love Night in the Woods, and I think that if you uh, are interested in any of those topics that we just talked about, you probably will also. Yeah. Um, um, I think, yeah, I think it's a good game to play. And again, you were talking about, um, we had an interesting conversation with our friend Charles. Hey, Charles. Mm. Shout out to Charles, who um, loves our podcast, which is tight. And I that's not why we're mentioning him, but it's uh, just tight. Um, <laughs> that he was saying, like, I tried to play Dark Souls for about an hour once. And couldn't get into it. I'm going to try again with the remastered version mm-hmm. that we're going to have for Switch. But um, he was talking about, like, the like Dark Souls, as people who know video games often know, is, like, one of the most repetitive games because no. it's... No. At the beginning. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this at the beginning. Uh, no, I'm going to talk about yes, my experience. Yes. Because it's, it's hard to get into... It was hard to get into for me because it was uh, repetitive in the sense that, like, it was very frustrating. Like, like you, you, you respawn, you go to yeah. the same enemy again, you die. Yeah, because yeah. it's hard. Again, the combat die. was not super intuitive, and it was difficult, and so I just, like, died 20 times in it's the first hour and got frustrated again. Yeah. Once you get past that, though, like, it's actually one of the least repetitive. That's what I've heard. Games. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard, and that's why people love it so much, so I am going to give it another chance. But he was talking about how... For him, the, like, sort of, like, um, repetitive nature of Dark Souls, like, this is his own words, or paraphrased words, um, was he played Dark Souls at a time in his life when, like, he was in a a state of severe executive dysfunction with his uh, depression, and that he, like, couldn't get out of bed-style executive dysfunction, um, and Dark Souls sort of filled a similar thing to what you were talking about with Night in the Woods, Mm -hmm. that, like... 
the repetitive or cyclical or whatever it was, like um, st- the struggle of Dark yeah, like Souls do for this. him um, really helped him with his depression because it was such a difficult game and he did it. And it, he sort of had to do the same thing over and over again, but he got a little bit better each time. And yeah. that helped him build that in his mind for his depression. And I think that's so cool that games have the potential to do that. Like yeah, really totally. mirror that experience. There's this, um, Bojack Horseman is a flawed, but a very, very good show. Mm-hmm. I think that does talk a lot about neurodivergence and mental illness and has a canonically asexual character, which is really Tight. cool. There's a lot of incidental queerness in Bojack Horseman too. Um, but there's a quote from season one that I love. That's like, um, you have to, it does get better, but you have to do it every day. That's the hard part, mm-hmm. but it does get better. Basically that like, you there's a, there's people out there people I've known in my life that think like um, antidepressants are like like they'll get prescribed antidepressants and be like my depression is cured and then just like not deal with any other shit and act like terrible people towards other people or yeah. people are like I've gotten over it and really they've just like bottled it and not addressed it and sure. not talking about it for them has gotten them getting over it and I think that's really encouraged in our culture but that living with mental illness and healing from trauma and healing from abuse and mental illness and whatever it is like. It's really hard work. Like you Oh have boy, how do we know? Yeah, right? Like you have to, but you have to put in the work. Like therapy doesn't fix you. You have to put the work into therapy. You get out of therapy what you put in. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but it's to say that like anybody who is living with mental illness and functioning with and neurodivergence, whatever term you want to use for it, and functioning with that and succeeding and living in the world or not, like anybody who's just like still alive with that is that's amazing succeeding. and incredible and that's success and like you are, you are valid. Um, but also like, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing to me that, that what we struggle and what we go through and what we all live with and what the fact that we're still alive is so cool. Well, I mean, I guess I, I would just speak to like you and me because yeah, I wouldn't totally. want to speak to everyone. Like it's really tight. I think it's incredible. Anybody yes. who is living with neurodivergence and not because society doesn't want you to like, honestly, society wants you to die. Yeah. It's not like you're struggling like against yourself. It's like you're struggling against yeah, society. Well, sometimes against yourself. Yes, too. Like against but I'm, your I'm, own I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm trying to say that, like, not all like neurodivergence is not objectively bad. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, I just think it's I'm in just a society adding. that doesn't support you and doesn't want you to stick around. Yeah, and like, exactly. So the narrative that we hear about queer people is death and suicide, like yeah. especially depressed, mentally ill queer people. Yes. Um, like is it, that we'll have depression as victims. and yeah, and that we're victims and we'll always struggle and we'll always kill ourselves mm-hmm. or somebody else will always kill us, like. Uh, succeeding in spite of that. Yeah. By which I mean like living um, and you don't have to be visible and you don't have to be high functioning or whatever it is like just living and existing anyway is uh, a radical act and an enormous success and I'm proud of us and I'm proud of everyone doing that. All of you. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean I I guess I, I do want to add to that it there are Oh, such high rates of especially like trans feminine people of color, like being portrayed as victims of like mental illness or um, like murder or like victim victimized complex. And that's, you know, every every time that somebody just uh, just is able to like live is. Yeah, it's it's so incredible. It just blows my mind that that's mm-hmm. something that we're just able to do that, like people similar to us and different from us mm-hmm. are just able to do that. We're very powerful people. Yeah. Queers. So, and anybody, any marginalized folks who, anybody who's living in spite of a world that tells them not to is ex- yeah, extremely cool. 
that's a pretty good note to end on. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, we, like I said earlier, shout out to the folks who have found us on Facebook yeah, groups. Yeah, thank you. We're so excited yeah, to have you. Yeah, we're listening to our podcast. We've got a couple reviews on iTunes and yeah. a few ratings, and that's pretty neat. Um, we would love reviews on iTunes. Right now, the podcast is only available on iTunes, but we're going to work on getting it up yeah, we're trying to get it on available Spotify on Google and Google Play. Play at the very least to make mm-hmm. it accessible to more folks. Um and we would love ratings and reviews. It helps us get seen by more people. If you like our podcast, um, if you would take a few minutes to rate and or review it, that would be awesome. I would also love to just hear some people's thoughts just on yeah, Facebook or on yeah. Twitter, just because I really am curious uh, how people feel about the stuff that we're talking about. And I also want people to add their voices to the conversation yeah, absolutely, because it's really yeah. important to me that this is like community building, like mm-hmm. a conversation, dialogue building exercise. Totally. Yeah. And it's not just us. Yeah. It's not just us screaming into the void, or which we other. do anyway. Uh, I identify you as You are the void. void. Yeah. That's what, um, that's what I meant. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at gay gamers with a Z, gay mm-hmm. gamers. With a Z. Um, cause we're cool and hip. We are. Um, we're trying to appeal to the teen demographic. Teens, yep. Um, and Gmail, uh, if it's gay, we play at gmail.com. Uh, if you want submit to submit games that we should play games that we should talk about, um, games that we, or just like topics that you're interested in hearing about, we would love to hear that on any or all of those mediums. Um, we would love ratings and review on iTunes, but also just like, we love that you're listening. If you're listening, yeah, thank, thank you for you. listening. Um, we really appreciate that like this isn't necessarily like we're doing this because it's fun um but also it's cool that people we've gotten positive feedback and people seem to like us so far and that feels good and neat yeah um because i like us i like us most of the time well um i I love us all the time i like us most of the time that's that's good thank you that's a good note to end on yeah um so this is a little bit of a long one but uh there's a lot to talk about here Oh, cool. It's, it's not that's a what I thought. at all. It's almost literally the exact same. I've uh, kept us on fucking cool. track. Tight, 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 tight. That's why I got this outline. Okay, yeah. so uh, keep keep playing gay. Keep being video games. And we we'll see you. you next week. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.